And I think that that's one of the greatest obstacles for innovation insurance, because I think that until carriers join forces with entities that they're not familiar with, innovation will not be incorporated in full. Welcome to the Insurance Innovators Unscripted, the show dedicated to innovation in the insurance industry. Each episode, you'll get a dose of thought leadership from the industry's top business minds, influencers, innovators, and executive leaders. If you want to transform your corner of the industry and exchange innovative ideas, you need to subscribe to this podcast. Now here's your host, Abel Travis. Hey everyone, welcome to the Insurance Innovators Unscripted podcast dedicated to the discussion of insurance innovation. So I'm really excited to have the chance to speak with Karen Gava. Now, she's an industry executive in both the fintech and the insurtech arena. Now, when Karen and I connected, you know, we spoke about the many startups and insurtechs that originate in Israel and how deeply tied they are domestically here in the United States and in other places throughout the world. So, you know, I'm really excited to be able to talk about what we're seeing in the Israeli startup and insurtech space with Karen, as well as, you know, some of the trends that we're seeing play out in the insurance industry, as well as the fintech industry. So, Karen, it's a, it's a real pleasure to have you here on the podcast. Welcome. Thank you, Abel. Thank you for having me. Um, you know, I'm really happy to participate uh, because, you know, in a way, it's like coming full, full circle for me. Um, when I first started uh, in the insurtech industry, especially in the American industry, I didn't really know anything about the ecosystem, about the insurtech ecosystem. And the first podcast that I listened to was yours. <laughs> awesome, awesome. <laughs> yeah, this is how I learned who's doing what, who's providing what, what it means to be an insurtech innovator. Awesome. Yeah, you know, and, and I'm glad that, you know, of course, that this was the first podcast you listened to. And, and hopefully you got a lot out of, you know, what, what you heard in those early podcasts that, that you started listening to. But, you know, um, I, I do want to dig into this. So you, you mentioned, you know, as you got into the insurance industry and you were learning um, InsureTech, uh, you know, you started listening to this podcast. But if you don't mind, you know, talk to me a little bit about your background um, and your history in general, because I, I love to hear, you know, what got you to even consider this industry yeah sure so um, basically I for the past 10 years I was product manager and product executive for various startups and companies mainly in the fintech industry and when I say product management I mean uh, not product management in insurance but product management in software meaning the person that is in charge of examining the market and trying to understand the trends and then trying to figure out what kind of product you need to provide. And when I say product, I mean what kind of software you need to provide to the industry in order to make um, your product a success. And that what means to have a really good market fit. It means that your product will fit the market. And it's a very interesting job. And I've done that for like, I think 10 years. And I, uh, Basically, I really always liked finance and I've always been like a numbers kind of gal. And then uh, about two and a half years ago, I, uh, I was a freelance and I provided um, services to startups and investors. I uh, provided I was a consultant and I started working with a project of uh, two entrepreneurs that wanted to create an insurance carrier, a an online insurance carrier here in Israel, in the Israeli industry. And that was my first introduction with insurance. And I sat in an insurance um, 
agency for six months, learning the different products, learning the business. And at the end of this, uh, those six months, I kind of realized that I fell in love with this industry. <laughs> so naturally, my next job, I closed my shop and my next job was to work for an insurtech startup that provided machine learning capabilities to insurance carriers in the U.S. And uh, this is where I started, you know, listening to your podcast and start started to join different communities uh, that discussed innovation in insurance. And I mean, I find this industry to be fascinating. Yeah, I, I, I have to um, say, I, I think that this industry, it's a great industry that does so much for, uh, you know, just uh, economically for the world, for people that are suffering in certain ways after losses and so on. And, um, you know, it's uh, it's amazing, you know, the story. I, it, I feel as if um, as a part of your story, you immersed yourself in the industry as you were learning the different facets of, of what we do in this industry, which is where sort of that 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 passion came now you know just just considering that you know um, where do you see that passion taking you as you look uh, you know just a, a a couple of years down the line you know within this space well that's a really good question because i don't have a real answer to that to be honest i uh just uh you know i just left that uh, startup that i used to uh, work for i left it about a few weeks ago and i think that my next challenge um would be to innovate the industry here in Israel, the insurance industry here in Israel. We're, I was, I mean, up until now, I got engaged in exporting technology from Israel to the world. And now I feel that I would like to help leverage the industry here in Israel and import technology. I think that this is what we're lacking at the moment. Um, we're really good at providing innovative solutions but not very good at handling what's in-house. So I think I see that as my next mission. Yeah, you know, um, and, and I think that's, uh, that's absolutely going to be a great mission for you now. And when I, when I think about the Israeli market, so I have just a lot that I, that I want to unpack throughout our, our conversation. Um, but, you know, I, I hear so much about these startups that are within the Israeli ecosystem. And, and you're witnessing those startups not only yeah. start within the Israeli ecosystem, but then export everything that they're doing into other environments, you know, so here domestically in the U.S., there's, there's companies that I want to talk a little bit with you about later, like Lemonade and like Plank that are, you know, within that Israeli space, but, um, but you know, coming to the U.S. and to, into other places. Now, you know, if, if you could sort of help us understand, you know, what specifically is happening within the Israeli markets that's fostering such an incredible environment for startups and insurance and in fintech. Yeah, sure. First of all, um, Israel is fondly referred to as the startup nation. I don't know if you know this, but in Israel, there are only 8.5 million people. Um, and at the moment, there are 6,000 startups, active startups that are registered. And out of those 6,000 startups, there are at least 400 operating in the fintech space and at least 150 in insurtech. And that's a whole lot of startups for such a small country. And the reason for that is because, first of all, there are a lot of hubs here in Israel, a lot of um, accelerators, technology accelerators. I think there are uh, somewhere along 
the way of 250 accelerators operating in Israel. There are delegations of investors coming in from China, from the US, from Europe, coming in to scout for new technology. And you have large companies like Facebook and Microsoft and um, Samsung. And, you know, in the insurance space, you have Sampo, for example, Japanese Sampo, operating here in Israel, opening um, innovation hubs in order to help startups grow here in Israel. And I think what's really fascinating, and the, the reason for that is because I think that it's something to do with Israeli culture. We mature very fast. We are drafted to the army at the age of 18. And um, we finish our service at the age of 21 with a set of tools that is very unique. We learn how to manage our time. We learn to differentiate between what's good, what's important, what's not. And we are very disciplined. And other than that, there's also uh, an Israeli trait that really helps us. And it's Israeli chutzpah. Chutzpah um, in Hebrew and in Yiddish means to be very blunt with a little bit of rudeness to it. <laughs> yeah, and um, I think that when you're very disciplined and you can uh, focus on what's important and you speak your mind and you're not afraid to speak your mind and think outside the box, that what makes the Israeli is so successful. And this is why you get to see companies like Lemonade. Look at Daniel Schreiber and uh, Shai um, Winninger, if I'm not mistaken, with the name. Um, look at them. None of them has come from insurance, from the insurance industry. And they're doing wonders to the PNC space. They're uh, doing innovative stuff with AI and basically shaking this industry to the ground from the ground yeah i i have to um i have to say you know when i had the opportunity a few times to speak with daniel um from lemonade you know um as as folks here um, and also internationally know you know they're they're one of the more uh well-known insure techs in this space and you know when, when i spoke yeah. with daniel he mentioned that uh, the U.S. was really ripe for innovation in, in in this industry because it's been one that's been unspoiled by innovation for for quite some time. And um, and you know when we spoke, he was very direct. So I, I guess I'd, I'd say he had the chutzpah that you mentioned, right? You know, <laughs> yeah. very direct to the sense that he's saying, you know, these carriers uh, um, that are uh, in this space, the incumbents that are in this space are going to be resting on their laurels in regards to how they're engaging the customer and then ignoring the customer expectations and what the customers are looking to get out of insurance because their uh, expectations are being transformed by, by other organizations in, in this space. And, and you know what, what they were looking to do was to take those expectations and then build it in a way in which they don't have to use people to the point that you made, you know, leverage um, artificial intelligence, machine learning, check out and, and then incorporate pieces of um, behavioral sciences into the way that they, they're doing business, right? You know, um, and, and that really is the direct, you know, model of, of how the uh, Lemonade as an organization and some of the or, or other organizations were looking to innovate this space. So, you know, as I as you see that, Karen, you know, what do you think some of the differences are in being able to apply that dynamic to, you know, a country like Israel 
or bring that to a country like the U.S. and be, you know, successful in the realm of what we're starting to see come out of a lemonade? Yeah, well, you need to understand the Israeli market in order for me to answer this question. The Israeli market is relatively very small. As I said, we're, there's only 8.5 million people here. So there are only five worth mentioning uh, insurance carriers here. Most of them are not very innovative, which I know that it's a little bit surprising. And in order for Lemonade to work in the Israeli industry, they will need to apply and um, accommodate, well, adjust their products to the Israeli regulation. The Israeli market is highly regulated. The products here are not very standard. And because there's a lot of regulations, there's a lot of competition here and insurance industry is not very innovative, then I think that for a for a insurtech company like Lemonade, they need to, to put a lot of effort in in order to create a product that will fit the Israeli market. And when you do your ROI, return of investment, you calculate how much you need to invest in order to create a product and what's the potential of selling that product. I mean, what's the size of the market? And as I said, for 8.5 million people, it's not worthwhile. I mean, it's as, as an insurance company, Basically, it's a, you put two and two together and understand that the American market is much more profitable and it has larger potential. And most likely, as I said, I think that the American market is more receptive towards innovation than the Israeli market. Absolutely, um, and uh, and I think you're I think you're right. You know, there uh, there definitely is um, a lot that we're seeing in, in this market in terms of you know being open to innovation here in in the U.S. Um, and uh, I, I do think that the market wise, the answer to that is yes. But I, I think as as you still start to look at some of the incumbents in in, um, in the U.S., you know that innovation tends to be uh, slow um, in, in in some of those spaces. Now, you know, I I, I want to go back to something that you mentioned and. And you mentioned that, you know, uh, you know, once um, Israelis, both the, the men and women are required to join uh, the army. Now, um, you know, I, I had the opportunity to speak with uh, the CEO of one of the Israeli companies, Cover. Um, and, and what they are is they're a, a cyber organization that are, you know, that, that that's looking to assess um, risk for uh, other types of companies in regards to what their breach uh, risk is and what their cyber risk is. Now, one of the things that he mentioned was, you know, they were able to build that capability based on everything that they've learned. Um, within the Israeli intelligence agencies and organizations, um, you know, through having to go through the military as as they were moving it into adulthood. Now, you know, I, I guess my my question is when when you think about a lot of what you learn uh, from a, a military perspective within Israel, you know, whether it's to innovate the cyberspace or whether it's to innovate the way that data is being collected, do you think that those capabilities? have um, are ripe to then be applied to the consumer markets uh, um, outside of Israel in order for those companies to see success? Yeah, well, I mean, look at investors coming into Israel. Why do you think that they come to Israel? The reason that they're looking, they're scouting for new technology in Israel is not because we're so smart. It's only because we learn uh, different technologies and different ways to apply technology in the army. Um, 
you have a lot of technological units in the Israeli army providing technology to the elite intelligence units. And they learn, there's two things that they learn in those units. I wasn't actually, I didn't serve in that kind of uh, unit. I did something else in the army. But um, those people, they learn two things. They learn technology. They learn how to uh, handle technology, how to handle new technology and how to easily adopt to it. But they, they also learn not to be afraid. They are not afraid in rolling the dice. They're not afraid of trying new things and trying new technology. And they're not afraid of failure. And I think that those two um, factors are the ones that you truly contribute to, um, to those innovators in this uh, space because this is what you need when you work in the insurance industry. You need to be fearless because you're gonna come across a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, carriers and, and a lot of entities and, and people saying to you that, um, oh, this is not possible we're not able to work that way. Well, you don't understand the industry. And I've, I've heard those. Um, I've heard those a lot um, during my uh, during my past uh, two and a half years. And when you serve in those kind of technology units, you're not afraid. You're not afraid to uh, create a technology that is unique and you're not afraid to handle whatever obstacle that may come um, when trying to integrate with a carrier. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I, I think that you're, you're spot on, right? You know, um, I, I have an opportunity, um, as, as you could imagine, to speak with not only insurtechs all across the world, but also um, speak to and with and also do a little bit of consulting with a lot of the uh, individuals in the larger carriers, especially in the technology space. And, and I, I hear exactly what you say all the time, right? You know, that, you know, uh, number one, they might not have the budget or, or that when it comes to, uh, you know, leveraging, let's say, a third party data data technology platform that they don't have the ability to do the integration. And and, and what I always remind those carriers, um, and when I talk to startups, I remind them that, hey, you know, the, the carriers um, are used to doing what they've been doing for a very long time. So they may not while they're operating off of infrastructure that might be 20 years old, there's other things that um, those organizations can do to integrate newer technology types into that into that infrastructure, even if it's using things like process automation or creating an integration layer that um, that 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 has to you know be um, sort of that 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 middle layer until the carrier can update it, its core infrastructure. So there's always uh, that that opportunity to to figure out how to make it work, and and I think that you know you um, showing that you know as as being a startup from Israel um, is not afraid to, to, to say that, to be blunt, to say, okay, this is how it's going to be, this is how it can work and this is how we can make it work. It's, it's, um, it, it's a way to, to help to get those um, carriers to be more forward thinking from an innovation perspective. Definitely. I mean, Ava, what you just mentioned is basically, I think, the greatest obstacle of, of, in, in, of innovation in insurance. The fact that the insurance carriers and um, are afraid of taking that grant leap of faith when it comes to technology. They're uh, very concerned regarding security, very concerned regarding different aspects of of, uh, data and privacy issues. And it's very hard to convince a carrier to take that, you know, 
grant leap of faith and um, they feel more comfortable a lot of the times a carrier they feel more comfortable joining forces with what they know they feel more comfortable joining forces with uh, consultants uh, agencies like EY and KPMG and that provide them with great services but they're not very strong on the technology side but uh, but they feel more comfortable joining forces with them but when it comes to working with a startup a lot of the times there's a lot of uh, persuasion that needs to be done in order to to really get your foot in the door. And I think that's that's one of the greatest obstacles for innovation insurance, because I think that until carriers will make that leap and join forces with entities that they're not familiar with and taking chances on technologies that are new to them, I think that innovation will not be incorporated in full. Yeah, I I have to say I I think you um I think you really hit it on the head, right? Just because you know I, I so I, I want to give an example, you know um so there are and, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna mention the you know the technology providers by name, but there are technology providers that provide um, policy administration capabilities that you know charge carriers, you know, tens of millions, sometimes hundreds of millions of dollars to turn over the base infrastructure. Now, you know, when, when, I, when I think about that, you know, I, I think about newer um, policy administration organizations that's built on top of a, 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 a more up-to-date foundation, like let's say a Clarion Door, for, for example, you know, that's looking to do the same thing that some of these um, incumbent policy administrators are, are, are doing from a technology perspective um, and can do it at a fraction of the, the cost while at the same time, uh, you know, being able to, to help the carriers become up to date on their base technology infrastructure, you know, with, without having to spend the hundreds of millions of dollars. You know, that, that, that's one of the things that, that, that I say, you know, when, when I speak to some of these larger carriers and they talk to me about, hey, well, we're going through our digital transformation. And, and I always ask the question, well, you know, what are you doing for digital transformation? Are, are you truly innovating how you're acquiring business or how you're engaging the customer throughout the entire life cycle? And it always turns out that, you know, while they call it a digital transformation, uh, a, a majority of the times it's more of a, of a legacy overhaul because they're still leveraging that legacy platform, right? You know, so um, as, as you think about that, Karen, you know, what are some ways that the carriers can get over the obstacle of not wanting to engage with startups uh, and uh, uh, newer insure tech so they can trust that those insure techs are going to work um, to uh, work as partners with those startups? You know, what, what are some of the obstacles that you think the carriers need to get over? So I think that um, one big obstacle that should be addressed is innovation groups of, within the carriers doing a wonderful job, um, you know, interacting with insurtechs and running really great uh, proof of concepts, pilots. But at the end of the day, I think, well, you know, as previously working for an insurtech, I saw that at the end of the day, even if you had a wonderful POC, a very successful one, it's very hard to get through that, you know, the gate of the innovation team. Um, if you want to be incorporated into the business, then there's a, there's a huge gap that you need to, to overcome. And I think that that's something that carriers need to think and try to um, try to see if there's any way they can improve that. Taking their, their innovation teams and 
helping them incorporate innovation into the business and not just running really great POCs. Yeah, I, I, I think, um, you know, that's, it, it's really interesting that you say that. And, um, you know, what, what you mentioned, um, I actually call that, you know, being stuck in POC hell, right? You know, because, you yeah. know, in, in innovation teams, um, you know, it's, it's easy for a concept to get stuck in the innovation team, but never to move past that point of being within the team. Um, you know, you know um, what, what, what I always say, though, and, and you know, as, as I ran an innovation team, what, what I try to do is, you know, um, uh, and, and for carriers that are listening, uh, you know, hopefully you can take heed to this, but um, have those teams not truly work off to the side on their own because they may not build business models or products or engage with insure techs in a way that's going to be valuable to the business. So you have to bring the business in up front um, and then work with the business on true use cases that's going to be of value to that particular organization um, and then of course um, if you can show what the value is um, you can absolutely get yourself out of a POC hell you know you know based on based on what, what, what exactly. I call that um, you know so um, I totally agree and, with you. and that's the that's actually the the recommendation and you know that that I give to InsureTex is to you know not only partner with the innovation groups but to also partner with the business too you know have you seen that you know when you were working in the space and looking to engage with carriers have you seen that it was easier to move beyond the stage of POC when the business or other organizations are um, bought in on a real use case up front? Without a doubt. I mean, it depends on the value proposition that you're uh, bringing to the table as an insurer tech. If you have a really good value proposition, then moving, when you work directly with the business and they understand what you bring to the table, it's very easy to be incorporated into the business. But if your value proposition isn't good enough, then you get stuck in POC hell. I, I, I can tell you that I see uh, the whole um, scene, the whole uh, innovation scene at the moment, like a party. You have the carriers who are the cool kids, in, that they are the host of the party. And everybody wants to join this party. And um, you have the guests that uh, are divided into two groups. You have the guests that are always invited to those parties, which are the consultancies and the um, the technology vendors. But you have those uh, guests that were, were never invited to this party before. And these are the nerds, the technology nerds. And I'm a technology nerd. And we only got started to be invited to those parties about uh, two to three years ago. And we love it. This party um, is, is great and the music what the music of this party is basically those, uh, you know, um, those buzzwords that we hear around us, like AI and uh, like uh, machine learning and uh, augmenting external data sources and blockchain. But the thing is that I think that in a year from now, maybe two, this uh, party, it will continue, but in a different phase, the dust will settle and I think that um, the guests of the party, though they do not have real value proposition, will no longer be invited to the party. I think that um, insurtechs and technology vendors and consultancy, consultancies, it doesn't re they don't really provide true value to the carriers, to the innovation of the carriers. They don't, um, they just improve the, you know, the current infrastructure, but they don't really innovate the way the carriers think or the type of product they will, that they will provide. 
those will disappear. I think that um, those that will remain in this business, in the insurtech business, are the one that's that's going to bring true value. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. Um, you know, I uh, again, you know, I I, I talk to uh, a lot of insurtechs, and uh, I I do my assessments of the insurtechs that I engage with to see whether or not they're going to provide value for myself or, or for the organization that I'm with. And, um, you know, a lot of the insurtechs, especially, uh, you know, as, as they're coming newer into this space, um, you know, they're uh, a, a piece of technology that's really looking for a business model. Um, and sometimes there is no business model for the technology that they're trying to deploy in, into these carrier organizations. So to the point that you made, um, a, a couple of, you know, years down the line, uh, you know, uh, nine times out of ten, you're probably not going to see some of those insure techs around and and you've seen exactly. a lot of that failure already start to occur since this insure tech phenomena came into place exactly because i don't think that it's because i don't think it's about the technology i mean it's great that we're bringing technology to the table but it's more about what is it that you do to help the carriers or the mgas or the uh producer down the line it's how are you changing this industry and not about the technology that you're bringing? Yeah, a- absolutely. You know, I-, I couldn't agree more. So, hey, you know, Karen, um, as as we look at what you've been seeing in this industry. So, you know, you, you call yourself sort of an outsider that's looking in. Um, and, um, you know, and, and I think that's a that's a great way to look at this industry because you can come in and you can see areas that might not have been touched by innovation um, that could potentially benefit from some uh, some transformation as, as a part of what's happening in this space. You know, so what are some of the things that you're seeing within the insurance industry that's really screaming to be innovated against? Wow, I love this question. Um, I think that what's really screaming to be innovated is and I'm talking about life insurance um, because I think that's uh, the space that I um, focused on in the past year. You see that the number of people purchasing life insurance in the past few years has been declining. Millennials don't really understand the value of life insurance. And if we're talking about innovation in that specific space, I think that changing the product themselves that's what's screaming to be innovated. Um, I think that carriers need to think very hard about the, the product that they're providing. I think that at the moment, those products are pretty expensive and the customer do not see, a lot of the customers and millennials don't see the value in those products. And I think that the next stage for innovation for life insurance is changing the products to something cheaper, something that changes over time because our lives change over time and our needs change throughout the years. And in order to do that, innovators will need to implement new technology because they're gonna need to learn their customers a lot better so they can provide them with tailor-made products to accommodate their ever-changing needs. And this is something that at the moment the carriers are struggling with. They're going to need data. They're going to need better customer experience and they're going to need new ways to communicate with their uh, customers. So it's not just about the, uh, the technology 
of implementing the technology. It's about what you do with with the data that you're granted, the data that you collect, and what do you, and how do you communicate in new ways with your customer? Yeah, yeah, and and uh, and and you know, it's it's how do you communicate in new ways with your customer, and and how do you, to the point that you made, just completely change the experience to align with what the customers are expecting from their their carriers or from life insurance carriers. You know, I, I was speaking to um, a, a, a friend of mine and, and what they told me was about two experiences that they had. You know, one in which they were looking to increase their life insurance, um, but because it was over a certain limit, um, you know, that individual had to get a nurse that came to the house and the nurse had to draw blood and they had to get samples back. And there, were, there was a whole process that needed to be taken um, in order for that individual to increase the limit of their life insurance by X amount. Right now, you know, so that was one experience. The other one was with an insure tech um, and uh, with the insure tech, the insure tech required them to take a photo of themselves and, and of uh, specific things you know, around them. And then, you know, as a part of taking that photo, the person was more quickly approved. So instead of the, the three weeks that it took with the traditional incumbent, um, the, the, uh, the, the person was approved by that insure tech within a couple of hours, you know, based on the assessment that was being done through uh, uh, leveraging vision analytics and, and, and other things as a part of that insure tech. Now, you know, you know, and, and, and that's, you know, to the point that, that you're making, I, I think that's really what helps to transform that that customer experience. Um, now, you know, I, I want to go back to, um, you know, the, the Israeli markets and, uh, and, and and what you're seeing from from that regard. So, you know, uh, so Karen, from a uh, from a trend perspective, what trends, um, you know, are you seeing in spaces like life insurance or PNC um, that's in Israel that could play out in other markets, you know, domestically here in the U.S. or maybe in some other markets throughout Europe, South Africa and Asia? So I think that here, if you look at the, um, the insure techs coming in from Israel, a lot of them are around data, a lot of them are around machine learning, data science. Um, I think that that is, that is a trend that I think um, for the next year or two will probably be uh, outdated because I think that if you look at the American carriers, most of them have their own data science teams um, in-house. So I think that a lot of the carriers currently in it, the Israeli carriers currently providing data science based products will probably not be able to uh, in a year or two, maybe three from now, will not be able to uh, provide real value to this industry. Um, however, I do think that the next trend will be types of micro insurance on demand micro insurance. Um, for example, looking at uh, great startups, for example, Skywatch AI, their Israeli startup uh, based in Tel Aviv, they provide drone insurance, for example, on demand. You wanna fly your drone and you just, you know, purchase a policy for X hours, X days, and it's based on, uh, on machine learning. And so they optimize the data, they optimize the policy to accommodate your needs. They do wonderful things. So it's not about the data, it's more about the type of uh, policy that they're providing. There is also a great startup, um, Israeli startup, that they currently don't operate in the States, but they do operate in Europe. They are called Setu, for example. They uh, sell customized, personalized insurance, um, travel insurance. 
through um, travel uh, sites. Those sites that you buy your ticket from, your flight ticket from, at the end they always offer you insurance. So they help them provide you with a personalized insurance and with better rates because it's personalized to your needs. And I mean, these are the trends. Providing something that is very personalized, something that is on demand, something that um, exactly what you need and not a out-of-the-box kind of uh, product, insurance product. Yeah, I, I would uh, I would definitely agree with that. You know, um, yeah, giving the customers what they need when they need it, um, it, it really is the trends that we're seeing today. So, you know, hey, Karen, you know, um, I, I always like to, um, you know, ask this questions of, of, of people like yourself, you know, and one of those questions is, you know, if there are, if there's someone that's listening to you and I speak, so we, we spoke about a lot of the innovations that we're seeing play out in the, in, in the Israeli markets and also things that's uh, here domestically in the U.S. and in other places, but, you know, to make it tangible, for the listeners if they wanted to go back and do something tangible to really transform the status quo and innovate their organizations you know what advice would you give them to be able to be successful in doing that i would take all the stakeholders into one room and start with one simple question what is it that we think needs to be innovated if we can agree on one goal at least one goal that's half of the work being done and then the next thing we will try to, I think that insurance carriers need to uh, discuss is how can we innovate it and then look for a, for a solution. Yeah, I, I think that's a really great advice there. So, you know, hey, Karen, it was truly a pleasure to talk to you. I, I, I love sort of the, the the passion that came across about, you know, you speaking about this uh, uh, innovation and, and what's happening, um, you know, across the globe uh, from a, a, an insurance transformation perspective. You know, if, if someone wanted to, you know, get in contact with you to talk to you more about this topic, you know, what's the best way for them to do that? I'm always available on LinkedIn. My name is Karen Geva. Just look me up. Perfect. Thanks. Well, hey, Karen, you know, once again, I want to say thank you. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Same here, Abel. I had a wonderful time. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Insurance Innovators Unscripted Podcast. Now, I love talking and hearing about what's happening internationally that we could apply to all of the countries that are innovating InsureTech. So if this was your first time listening to the podcast and if you enjoyed it, share it with your colleagues on LinkedIn and on other social media platforms and hit that subscribe button so you can get the new episodes every Thursday. So thank you and I'll see you next week.